This is Cruise Radio. It's 2020. Make sure you're covered on your next vacation. Get yourself a trip insurance policy at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Norwegian Encore today. Rob answers some of your cruise excursion questions, and Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. And as always, don't forget about Cruise Radio News, daily quick hits of the news, the three things you need to know. You can find it where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Another big milestone for Carnival Mardi Gras. Yep. So Mardi Gras reached, as you said, another major milestone as it floated out at Finland's Meyer Turku shipyard last Thursday morning. And on hand, of course, was brand ambassador John Heald. He was there for the event and he live streamed the float out on Facebook. So that was kind of an interesting way to watch it long distance. And so when the dry dock was filled with seawater, the ship slowly moved to a new location in the shipyard so that the workers could complete the 2,600 staterooms and the public spaces It's at this new location that the Bolt roller coaster will be installed. And, you know, it's interesting because when you look at the hull, if you're familiar with other carnival ships, you know, right away you'll notice that the Mardi Gras hull appears different. So instead of the standard white hull that you see on all the other ships, Mardi Gras forward section of the hull is painted dark blue with a red and white stripe. It's really, it's really pretty. And it just sort of flows with the, the curve of the ship and sort of oceany looking. So anyway, Mardi Gras will begin sailing out of Port Canaveral, Florida on November 14th. The ship will offer seven day cruises to the Caribbean and the Bahamas from its home on the Space Coast. So this next story is kind of disturbing. Cruise lines are screening embarking guests in China because of the coronavirus, but some cruise lines have taken it a step further. That was the exact wording I was going to use. They've taken it a step further and they're canceling cruises in China because of the virus. And it's it's the major cruise lines that we've heard of. So first of all, Costa canceled sailings on the Serena and the Atlantica for January 31st. The Neo Romantica, the January 30th and February 2nd sailings are canceled. And the Venezia's Saturday departure was also canceled. Costa will give guests a full refund, or they can choose a different departure date before the end of this year. And if they do that, they'll receive a $50 onboard credit. Another cruise line, MSC, has canceled a four-night cruise aboard the Splendida that was supposed to depart from Shanghai. That's been canceled, as I said. And Royal Caribbean also nixed their Spectrum of the Seas departure that was supposed to have set sail on January 27th. So, you know, they're being proactive, which I'm happy to um, see that that is actually going on rather than trying to risk it. If you're cruising coming up, build your immune system up. Like I'm going on a flight this week and I've been jacking myself up with airborne and emergency for the past three days. And I think it's just good to go in with a strong immune system, you know? Yeah, especially if you're taking a flight to get there. So there's a lawsuit in the works against a major cruise line? Yeah, this is pretty interesting. I remember when this incident happened, and this was uh, this was back last summer. So basically, in Venice, it was with Uniworld. Their River Countess was docked in the canal, or actually, it's more like the the Maritima, the the cruise ship terminal, so over to the side, and it's where the big ships do come in to dock. So MSC Opera somehow suffered a mechanical problem. And even though two towboats intervened to stop or even divert the big cruise ship, it plowed into the side of the River Countess. So here's where the lawsuit happened. So Uniworld CEO Ellen Betridge said that the incident has led her to, that she's actually, the company's actually forced to file a lawsuit against MSC Cruises. Aside from the severe damage to their ship, they were also forced to cancel 14 river cruises. And Betridge stated that Uniworld would have, you know, they much would have rather preferred not to go to court. But because of MSC stonewalling and they were delaying reimbursement, there's no choice but for the River Cruise Line to file a lawsuit. And this is according to CruiseCenter.com. 
Uniworld's lawsuit estimates that the losses suffered as a result of the accident, including passenger reimbursement for those 14 cruises, damage to the River Countess, and other forms of lost revenue amount to $12.74 million. So it's close to a $13 million lawsuit against MSC. And it looks like a new cruise port has opened in Jamaica. Port Royal officially became a cruise port earlier this week when the Morella Discovery 2 called on the port on January 20th. So this idea for opening this port really began about 25 years ago. And Port Royal now joins Montego Bay, Ocho Rios, Falmouth, and Port Antonio. So there are five ports in Jamaica now. And it's kind of interesting, um, since that was the first ship to dock at Port Royal, they were greeted with, you know, it's called, I guess they're saying, it's an authentic Jamaican welcome. There was music, there was dancing, and there were beverages, of course, Red Stripe beer and Appleton rum. Um, they also had tours all ready to go, and they were mainly based out of Kingston. And guests went to the Bob Marley Museum, and they went up to Newcastle to sample some Blue Mountain coffee. And if I'm not mistaken, I read that there will be three more port visits in 2020 to New Port Royal. So this is a good, and it's a great boost for the country. And you know, five more ports uh, that just opens it up for more ships to come in and more places to see that most of us that only go into Falmouth or Ocho um, have not seen yet. Yeah, this port is actually due south of Kingston, Jamaica. It's located on the southeast side of the island. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Last but not least, a man, sad story here, went overboard from Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas. Yeah, a man went overboard, just like you said, from Oasis of the Seas while the ship was docked at Old San Juan Harbor. The man fell from Deck 10. Uh, last Wednesday evening, and because it was dark out, it made the search and rescue even more difficult. The Coast Guard helped with their boats and their divers, and so after several hours, they found the man's body. And this is all according to reports on Twitter. Um, it was said that the man was the Atlantis events contractor. Now, Atlantis had chartered the Oasis of the Seas from Royal Caribbean for a seven-night LGBT Caribbean cruise. So, you know, it just, it's just, it's not, it's beyond sad because everybody there is affected. I'm sure so many people knew that man and his family. So sorry to say. All right. I've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. So Chris just got back from the brand new Norwegian Encore. He did a seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise out of Port Miami, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Chris. Hey, Doug. Hey, man. Excited to talk about this cruise. Brand new ship, and uh, you did a seven-night cruise down to the Eastern Caribbean on it. Let's take a step back and give me some pre-cruise thoughts, because this was a honeymoon cruise for you, and you weren't really planning on cruising initially, were you? No, I was looking into something else, you know, doing something more fancy because of uh, 
I've been on a lot of cruise, so I want to do something, you know, special for our honeymoon. And uh, things just were looking to be a lot more expensive than I thought it was. So I figured, you know what, let me just look at cruises real quick. And I saw this new boat. Timing-wise, it was the day after our wedding. I liked the locations it went to because last year my other Norwegian cruise that I went on, we got flipped from east to west at the last minute from mm-hmm. because of all the hurricanes. And then I've never been to Tortola before. And there was a sale on Norwegian.com where if I signed up within the next 48 hours, I got all the packages for free. Mm-hmm. So I decided, let me go. Let's just go and do it then. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, you pulled the trigger on that one. You got all the perks. Very good. You make your way down to South Florida. And uh, we were chatting before the interview. So you actually landed in Port Everglades and then went to the ship from there? Yeah, I like flying Southwest. Mm -hmm. And my wife's pretty brand loyal to them. So they don't fly into Miami for some reason. Uh, So we flew into Fort Lauderdale. It just ended up being cheaper. And we got a, my father-in-law bought us a like driver to drive us to the cruise, you know, kind of as a wedding congratulations. So we had the guy with the sign and everything. And uh, we got there really early, like 1030. They let us in. And there was no one in line. I got my card. We walked upstairs. We were in boarding group one. And we had to wait like an hour to get on the boat. But I really wanted to try Vibe Beach Club because I mm-hmm. couldn't get it the last time I was on Norwegian. And even though they expanded it on this one to from like 100 to 300 people, I just wasn't sure because it's the first cruise. There's a lot of people that were like higher up. Uh, like loyalty. Loyalty wise, yeah. yeah. So you make your way on board Norwegian Encore. What were your first impressions? I mean, you were pretty much like the first real, well, yeah, the first real revenue cruise here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, the boat was brand new, so everything looked great. It does have that standard thing with Norwegian where you get on on a random floor, so you don't get that awe moment where you're looking up at like a huge atrium or whatever. But I knew that was how it looked because it's a, a Breakaway Plus class ship, but the decor on this boat is very classy and modern, even compared to the last ship I was on, the Norwegian Getaway. And basically, when we got on, me and my wife, we were running around like uh, chickens with their heads cut off, trying to get uh, in line to get Five Beach Club. Mm-hmm. And we were worried, even though we got boarding group number one, they had a lot of Haven people, and they let all the Platinum and Platinum Plus people get on the boat first. And there was like 400 people in that group that got in there. So we ran as fast as we could, and we got number 87 and 88 out of 300. So if it was on a norm, on a smaller boat, we would have missed it. Basically. Wow. So the Vibe Beach Club, because and for the listeners who aren't familiar with this, it's the kind of the exclusive adults-only area. In the past, cost like $200 for the week. But on the previous classes of ships... The Vibe Beach Club was only one deck, but they've actually made it a two-deck Vibe Beach Club on Norwegian Encore where they could fit in more people. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, that's right. It's, okay. it's a lot bigger. Um, I'd say it's more than double the size, but being Norwegian and them trying to get as much money out of you as they can, it's double the price. I didn't know that at the time. When I w- walked up, they hand you numbers, and the guy was like, what are you in line for? And I said, oh, Vibe Beach Club. They said, "Oh, it's two oh nine. So I said, "Oh, that's fine," because I figured one hundred a person. No, it was two it was two hundred and nine dollars a person. So I didn't know that until I got charged. But so it was like four hundred twenty bucks. Wow! But so Norwegian Encore and a lot of their newer ships they lack pool space. So did you find that vibe was worth it for the price you paid for the week? In that case, yes, because in this one, you know, they've basically they put the Galaxy Pavilion, that VR area, mm-hmm. basically replaced Spice H2O. So there's less space, and you really only have one pool. There was an okay amount of time getting chairs and stuff around there, but it was a colder weather. So, like, in the morning, you couldn't even go in the pool. It was so cold. Yeah. So I would just hang out in the in Vibe, and I also had a spa balcony room, so I hung out in the thermal suite most of the time. Nice, and let's talk about the spa balcony room. What were your impressions of it? Uh, it was really nice. I mean, you know, when you're, you're paying extra for your location and 
you get the thermal suite. You're not necessarily getting a bigger room. Mm-hmm. So the standard balcony, the room itself is standard size. The balcony itself was slightly bigger from what I saw, but I mean, that could just be where they put us on the boat. But being on deck 15 was amazing because everything was on 16, mm-hmm. you know, the pool, everything. And then on deck 15 on the front side, you had uh, the observation lounge, which was really amazing and really fun place to go to. So everything was super convenient. And you mentioned you had access to the thermal suite, and I had a chance to walk through the thermal suite on my cruise. And man, you have like a snow grotto in there, a salt room, a massive, well, not massive, but a nice size pool in there. What did you think of the thermal suite? I thought it was amazing. Honestly, me and my wife, we liked it so much. Uh, we used it more than Vibe, and we basically said, if we're ever going to go into Norwegian again, we're going to go into thermal suite. Mm-hmm. Those uh, heated stone loungers, and then you had yeah you had an ice room you had a salt room you had a steam room you had a uh, sauna and then you had a scenarium and then a tropical shower room <laughs> so yeah it was fun there's you know there's fruits and water and you get robes and it's pretty laid back and you're at the uh you're at the back of the ship and it's nothing but like floor to ceiling windows so like when you're at port i got all these amazing shots of us leaving or like you're just laying on the loungers and looking out of the ocean. Is it capacity controlled in there? Like, or did you ever have to, you know, you went in and you couldn't find a lounger or there were too many people in the pool or was there a nice balance there? It's actually really big. Um, There's probably 15 to 20 stone loungers and Mm -hmm. like 30 actual, like regular loungers. The only time it, it was ever like slightly packed was on sea days, but that was, you went from like having two people in the big pool, two to 10 people in the big pool to like 20 people in the big pool. Mm-hmm. But the only time there was maybe like once ever, we didn't have, we couldn't find a stone lounger. And then of course, this one time this guy moved my wife's uh, belongings off of a stone lounger so he oh, could yeah. be on it instead. <laughs> and <laughs> that was awkward. But yeah. <laughs> To the to the stateroom for a moment. Did you find I did like that that ship had the USB plugs by the bed. Did you find that it had enough like space and storage in there? Yeah, I did, and that's a good point. The USB plugs by the bed were extremely convenient because I just plugged my phone in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, you have your little couch, you have space under the bed, space under the couch, you have a little closet, and then a ton of extra uh, drawers everywhere. Yeah. Gotcha. Let's talk about the dining experience on this seven-night cruise. And you mentioned earlier in the interview that you got every single perk with this, which is, what, three dining experiences on a seven-night cruise? Yeah, you get three, but um, the last time I was on a Norwegian, it was the first time I ever had specialty dining. Mm -hmm. Uh, And me and my wife were like, why would you not get it every time? So we just bought an extra four-day package, so we went all seven days to to different restaurants. Awesome. So let's run through those restaurants then. But actually, you know what? Before we get there, let's talk about the Garden Cafe, their buffet area. Sure. What did you think about the buffet? Um, this is like the biggest improvement to me. We went on the Garden Cafe on the getaway, and it was terrible. It was like one of the worst buffets I've had in all of my cruises. This is my 13th one. Um, but their buffet on this one was amazing. The food was really good. They had a really good selection. The spacing, it was much bigger. They switched to stations, as a, a lot more stations as opposed to lines. So there's like a lot of mini lines within uh, the area as opposed to like a couple big ones. And you can move through faster. They turned over the food faster. And I literally never was wandering around aimlessly for a table. Yeah, and I like that right downstairs from the buffet is the observation lounge. So you could actually it, – it, it was underneath the buffet, right? The observation yeah, lounge? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so you could actually – if you wanted a snack, you could go down there too and check out and see what they had to offer if you didn't you know, care for anything on the buffet. Um, so that's, as far as the specialty restaurants go for this seven-night uh, cruise, what we'll do here is um, – because you did seven nights of them – Give us the restaurant and then give us kind of like, you know, your experience there and then move to the next one. Yeah, try not to be too long. Uh, but yeah, so the first night we went to Teppanyaki. So that's your hibachi place. It's like your standard hibachi that you've been to anywhere like on land. The only big, 
the big uh, plus on this is because it's like a flat rate, mm-hmm. you get a lot more food. You basically get double the food. So if you're a guy who can eat a lot like I can, uh, when you get a, you know, you order like chicken and filet, you get a whole, you get like two whole chickens and like a filet and a half. And then he's giving you like all parts of everyone else's meat that they picked. And he's giving you like reef, like more food, more rice and more everything. So mm-hmm. if you, if you can eat, it's fun. <laughs> the next night we went to food Republic, which is their Asian fusion tapas place. You order on iPads on the dining package. You basically get three entrees and then the dessert of your choice per person. So we were just messing around with that. Um, getting a lot of sushi. That one was okay. The next one we went to was Onda by Scarpetta, which mm-hmm. is the Italian restaurant. It replaced La Cucina. My wife and I used to did not like La Cucina at all. Um, Onda is amazing. It's probably that and Cagney's are the two best specialty restaurants on the boat. You can mix between having pasta and pizza and meat and any and the amount of food you get is ridiculous comparatively and they do this nice thing where when you're using the dining package they still print out your receipt to see how much you would have paid mm-hmm. so so my dining package it was like it's technically like a flat rate of 30 bucks or whatever per person but the amount of food we got for the 30 bucks was 177 dollars wow. if we would have paid per person like just a la carte <laughs> wow then we went to Los Lobos, which is the Mexican restaurant. I hadn't been to one yet on a Norwegian. It was pretty good. Um, honestly, the the only thing that I didn't like as much was the main course. Everything else beside that was pretty good. You know, you get your table guacamole, you can get queso fundido and all that. But uh, I had like carne asada, and mm-hmm. it was just okay. Okay. Then I went. To, we went to Cagney's. On the fifth night, it was my birthday, so I also, not only was I celebrating my honeymoon, I was also turning 30 on this cruise, so um, they sung happy birthday to me, they gave me a cake, and Cagney's is arguably like one of the best restaurants on the boat, it's just a huge steakhouse, you can pick whatever you want, I think this night I got a filet, but you can pick any any type of meat, and it's going to be cooked to perfection, basically. The next night, I went to... Q, which is their barbecue restaurant, and I was kind of worried because I'm a barbecue snob. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do a lot myself, and so I was worried that you know it's a bunch of people that aren't like European chefs cooking, trying to emulate American barbecue. But uh-huh. it actually was pretty solid. Um, I don't think it was like amazing, but it was pretty good. You know, I just got the main sampler of everything i think their their desserts are really good they had like banana your typical like what do you think of like banana pudding and stuff like that um and then the last specialty restaurant i went to cagney's again and that one we kind of like we took a card you get a card when you it's like a your wedding anniversary or a honeymoon you get a free keg so then they like you know they up the service our waitress was a lot better and she let us uh, get extra sides for free, which was nice. And uh, I had to go with the big porterhouse just to just to say I had it, and it, that thing's humongous. <laughs> That's what and I. That was, that was basically it. When I sailed on Norwegian Sky a couple of weeks ago, I got the porterhouse too. It was like twenty something ounces, I think. That thing was massive. Yeah, it's it's humongous. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> so good though. With Q. I'm curious of your experience because I noticed whenever I went in there to have dinner, they were playing music and it was a little loud where you couldn't really have a conversation at your table. Was it the same for you? So they have that area where they have the band, mm-hmm. but it wasn't playing when I was there. Okay. So if it was playing, I could see where that would be a problem. Yeah. But I guess just timing, I might have lucked out or something. Sure. But, yeah, that was – I mean, the service was pretty good there, and like I said, the food's good, and it's – I mean, I might be downplaying it because I'm like a big snob, a barbecue <laughs> snob about it, but, I mean, I didn't hate it. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about the entertainment on this seven-night cruise. Yeah, I mean, there's like – you get your standard amount of 
you know, you have comedians coming in, then you have like music acts and and shows. Unfortunately, I was just uh, too tired and lazy, I guess, towards the end of the night to go to these shows, even though I wanted to see Choir of Man and Kinky Boots because apparently it's really good. But the main thing we liked is there was like a cover rock band. And once I saw the name of the band, I was like, oh, I have to see these guys because their name's Guns and Rojas. <laughs> and uh, they played in the atrium every night. And they were fantastic and kind of hilarious because, you know, it's a cruise ship. So you have some older crowd sometimes and they don't get very lively. So to amp up the crowd, sometimes he would like the guitarist would go into the crowd and like do solos like next to <laughs> patrons sitting in their chairs. Or if there was a chair that was open, he would stand on the top of it <laughs> and do a solo. Or uh, he would sometimes take people's empty beer or wine glasses and use it as an improv slide while playing the guitar. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> With the um, shows, Choir of Man, I sat through that. That was really good. Um, I didn't go to Kinky Boots, but everyone that I was with completely raved about it. Completely agree what you said about the rock band in the atrium. I was at the local having dinner one night or actually a late night snack after the bar closed and was watching them. They were good. Did you get a chance to go to the Cavern Club at all? I didn't, I was, uh, I was there, like, I walked past it while they were playing once just to kind of, like, peer in, and it looked really good. Kind of wish I would have gone in there, I just didn't make the time. A couple more questions about entertainment. Uh, did you do the silent disco? I didn't do the silent disco, but we did, um, we are trying to do everything, I just, there's a lot of things to do on this ship. Yeah, um, there's tons. Yeah, we, yeah. we did do the uh, Galaxy Pavilion, mm -hmm. that's, like... It's okay because basically they price it to make you buy the more expensive thing, sure. obviously. So it's either you can go and pay $7 per thing or you can spend $29 and do anything you want for like yeah. an hour. Yeah. So we did the 29 and they were okay. The best thing about the I – th I think the best one was the uh, – it was a VR uh, – Formula One racing mm -hmm. simulator, so you're you're racing like eight other people, and that one you had the most like fidelity because it was it was shot it was like it would vibrate and and shake while you're going. You had like wind in your face, so yeah. that one felt more real. I didn't get to do the escape room on there. I walked through it, but didn't get to do it. It looked cool too. I've never actually have done an escape room on land, and I was hoping to get to jump into it, but it wasn't either. It wasn't quite ready yet, where it was sold out. I really can't remember. Um, also, another thing was the when you dined in these specialty restaurants, since you did all seven nights, did you do any of them on the waterfront? No, we were like we were next to them, but all of them do have the. Like al fresco option, sure. which is nice. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I like I'm warm blooded, <laughs> so like I run really hot. So like eating outside, even in late November, still probably not my my jam. Yeah, fair enough. Let's talk about the ship on sea days, as far as crowds and congestion. That's the one thing on Norwegian that I've seen, and the only two cruises I've been on is. That's the only days where you have some problems, and on this one, because we only went to three ports, we had more sea days. Early in the morning, up until like around noon, you can easily get a chair. Mm -hmm. But around noon, it's completely packed. You get into the pool, but again, since it was an off time, the pool was extremely cold in the morning until like about 11 o'clock. So that's why I bought Vibe and why I went to the thermal suite in most of the for most of the cruise, honestly. In the vibe area, I know it's capacity controlled, but did you always find a chair anytime you went up there? Every single time. Yeah. Um, even on sea days. I went one sea day, we went way late in the afternoon, like, not like way late, but we went like, you know, like one o'clock, mm -hmm. prime time. We easily found a chair. Cool. They have guys waiting on you. They bring you wa like pictures of water, fruit. You always get towels. You get guys coming up to you asking you for drink orders right away. It's a full-fledged bar. And then you get the two uh, hot tubs. Cool. Did you do laser tag or go-karts? I tried to, but honestly, they were, like, reserved for, mm -hmm. like, the majority of the cruise. Oh, so wow. I think it's more of the fact that I went on, like, the first real for-profit sailing that they went. So, like, they were basically booked up mm -hmm. the entire time. Gotcha. 
Let's talk about the ports of call you went to. You hit three ports in the Eastern Caribbean. Give us the port of call and a highlight from that port. So first we went to Puerto Rico and it's San Juan. I like San Juan. There's a lot of stuff to do there, but and it was my wife's first time going there. But unfortunately, the time we got there was really weird. So we got there at 5.30 p.m. and we were there till midnight. Okay. So, you know, we have dinner plans. So I don't know when to do it. So we had to move. I moved back our dinner so, like, we could go out and do something and then come back. It was extremely humid, which I think is pretty unseasonable. For the other times I've gone on off-season cruises, I've – remember going to one in January and I was not, it was not as humid in Puerto Rico, but we were walking around and we went, I just took my wife to La Barranchina to get the, you know, the original pina colada, which mm-hmm. is very good. And the only other thing I could say is there's still some graffiti left over in parts on the streets from their protests earlier this year when they ousted the governor of Puerto yeah. Rico. So that was kind of disappointing, but, um, other than that, the port was okay. The next day, we went to St. Thomas, and I wanted to go because St. Thomas, Virgin Islands, great beaches, great water. I just wanted to go to a really nice beach and uh, a nice secluded beach that's not like a tourist trap. So I looked on TripAdvisor and read a lot of the reviews, and one of the best ones is called Lindquist Beach. Mm-hmm. It's on the other side of the island. And we just took a we took a cab, and they're like, "Where do you want to go?" I said, "Linquist Beach." It was like twenty dollars, and then it costs two, it does cost you two fifty a person to get in to because it's a park. And we were basically there by ourselves. It was a private beach almost. Um, there might have been five people on that entire beach. The water temperature was perfect. Visibility was like eight or nine feet, and there's also like a little barrier reef. I don't know, like 50, 60 yards offshore. And there was fish swimming all around us, which is kind of cool. And they also have a a full bathroom showers and stations to wash your feet off so you can get sand off your feet. And there's a cab stand, like, right outside the park. So I literally walked up to the cab stand. A cab came up the hill, like, did a little honk at me. I waved my hand up. He turned around. We got on the taxi. Another $20, and we were back in the port. And that was called Lindquist Beach? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had never heard of that. I'll have to look that one up. The only people that were there, there was a, actually a wedding happening with, like, two people. And they have these things. It's not like – they kind of look like mangrove trees. I mean, they're not in the water. But they make these, like, kind of, like, hollowed-out, like, hovels. And they have a lot of sh- shade. So we put our, uh, put our, like, belongings there. And they had a, like, life – like, an actual lifeguard on duty – so we put it near there, so like you know, just in case someone like tries to steal it or whatever. But yeah, it was uh, it was really nice. I was actually pretty impressed. Um, then the final port was Tortola, and this is the first time I had ever been there. I heard about like going to the baths, but then I heard from some other people that it's normally super busy and getting through the baths is kind of small, like to get in the caves. So. I didn't want to risk it. So originally I wanted to go to a beach called Smuggler's Cove, which is on the mm-hmm. far west side of the island. And I looked it up. It's like six miles away. But the cab drivers were super lazy. And they said it was too far away, would take too long, and no one would pick me up. And I was like, it's 30 minutes. Like I looked up on my Google Maps. It would take, mm-hmm. dri- take me 30 minutes to drive there. But in an abundance of caution to not be left behind out in the middle of nowhere – we took a round trip taxi uh, to another beach that I saw that was highly regarded. It's called Brewers Bay, and it was like forty dollars round trip. And that place was also amazing. It was probably a mile long. It's basically private, like hidden. You can't even really see it unless you're like at the top of the mountain going down. And there's a there's like a dive bar there. And there's probably like 30 people on this entire mile-long beach. So it's basically by ourselves. Awesome. Yeah. Did did you um did you notice if Yos Van Dyke was an excursion um, for that port? I think it was. I just didn't see how much it. I, I didn't look too much into the excursions because I knew we were going to just kind of do beachy things, yeah. which I can get really cheap just going to a taxi as opposed to doing it through the boat. Yeah, I know that. Um, 
some cruise lines do it and some don't. I think it all depends on how long you're actually in port for because you have to board a ferry boat and actually go out. It's an island off of Tortola, so an island with off an island. Uh, but it's it's a really uh, – I think it's part of the British Virgin Islands, I believe, out there. But it's really cool. Um, so you make your way back to Port Miami. How was debarkation? Debarkation was really good. I timed it. It took us 10 minutes shipped to shore through wow. customs. So <laughs> – Um, And then we stayed at a hotel afterwards. So it was actually so efficient that I was worried that we couldn't check in on time. Um, But basically, quick and painless, they let you go. The thing I like with Norwegian, with as far as disembarkation goes, is uh, you pick what zone you want. They like basically have all these slips. They're color coded to a time you leave. Since we weren't getting out on a flight or anything, we picked one of the later times, and then we were waiting around. They do kick you out of your room, and we we didn't feel like waiting around for another hour. So, like, what color do you have? I'm like, oh, well, I have gray. They're like, ah, oh, you can get off. Okay. So I get off. So I got off the boat in like ten minutes. Now, did you have uh, when you went through the customs? Were they doing the bio, the screening thing, where you take a picture and it kind of matches against your passport? No, I didn't. It basically was like here's your American passport, welcome to the United States kind of deal. I did notice, though, on Norwegian this time, they didn't take my picture going in. Uh, They used your passport picture for, like, your sign-in and everything, sign-in, sign-out on your card. Mm -hmm. And that was – I got a lot of, like, weird looks because my passport's about to expire, so it's, like, 10 years old. It's almost 10 years old. (laughs) So everyone's like, is this the same person? I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, older now. Yeah, that was my – so I just um, – mine just expired. So, you know, I, I was the, what, the 28-year-old version of myself and then 10 years later using it and people are like looking at me because I'm wearing glasses now. I'm thinner now and everything. So it's uh, – yeah, I know exactly what you're going through there. <laughs> now, looking back at this cruise, do you have any first-time tips to offer for Norwegian Encore? Uh, I mean like – with all Norwegians, I would book dining ahead of time because even though it's freestyle, they they pick up pretty uh, – they get full pretty quick. Um, vibe's really nice, but at $420 for two people, I thought it was kind of a ripoff comparatively because it used to be $100 per person. But that might also be because I didn't use it as much because I had the thermal suite. And then uh, the biggest tip of all is always get travel insurance. I uh, had to go to the medical center for, like, a little thing. I hurt my big toe while doing embarking, like, the embarkation, like, on the way to the boat. And thought nothing of it, and then it got – it looked infected, and I had to go get it cleaned out. Just a simple procedure, you know, just hydrogen peroxide. And uh, I got charged $1,300 for it. So get travel insurance so you can get your money back. Not ever fun to have to (laughs) spend that much extra money. Was it pretty easy filing a claim to get your money back? Yeah, um, I haven't gotten it completely back yet. But I basically, as soon as I got off the boat, I called them. They sent me a ticket, and then I had to upload all my doc documentation. Norwegian's really good about giving you like everything they did, an itemized mm-hmm. list of everything. So you just kind of have to send it to them. And then the first thing I did when I got off the boat, because I'm a lawyer, so I looked at I looked at the policy to make sure I was covered. <laughs> yeah. But um, the uh, but yeah, I was because it was during a it was on the way to the boat on the specified uh, vacation, so I was covered. Gotcha. Uh, Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of your cruise? I think the thermal suites, the highlights of the cruise. My wife and I basically agreed that if we ever go to Norwegian again, we're probably going to get it. You don't have to book a spa uh, room to get it. You can buy a pass, which I've looked up online afterwards. It's like anywhere from three to four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing is, they brought over a lot of their because I was talking to a lot of the people on the boat that were working there. They basically brought over all their VIP like MVPs from uh, the Bliss. That's like all all the people they brought over, apparently, and they were all amazing. Uh, the staff was incredible. Basically, every bar that I went to, they rec- they remembered me, my name, my room steward. I literally, every time, it was the first time on any cruise I'd ever been on where I left, and every time I came back, by the, by the time I left and came back, my room was always done. I never had to wait. It was pretty incredible. Awesome. 
I want to hit on a couple of things here that we didn't talk about. Um, now, they do kind of segregate the smoking and non-smoking area in the casino. Walking just through the main deck on Deck 7, did you notice smoke at all? Um, I did not, which was no. a big plus. Because I went on the getaway last year, which is part of the breakaway class. That one, they have smoking like throughout, so you, sure. it kind of wafts through. Whereas this one, I'm sure to the chagrin of most smokers, they basically have a, they give you a little box to smoke yeah. in, <laughs> smoke and play in. So you, it's, it doesn't bleed out or anything, which is nice. Yeah, it's like a big aquarium. So it's like the Atlanta airport, yeah. right, where you can go basically. in there and smoke in this, you know, everyone's watching you smoke. Um, very good. And also, I had one other thing to ask you here. Oh, the observation lounge. Did you spend any time in there? Yeah, I did. It's awesome. I I think they should have that on most of their ships. It's, it takes up a good bit of the ship, so I would understand them not putting it in a lot of ships, but it takes up like half of the ship, probably like a, like a third of the ship, mm-hmm. like all the way around. Nothing but floor-to-ceiling windows, loungers, couches, everything. There's like – then they have refreshment stations where they have some food, like kind of like hors d'oeuvre stuff. And, you know, there's kids there, like, reading or playing – there's people playing board games. And then you have a really nice bar there in the middle. And then people are drinking and they have, like, a little dance floor and entertainment area where you'd have, like, people playing uh, some kind of lounge music. And it was just a really good vibe of people just kind of hanging out and relaxing, which I enjoyed. In closing, your final thoughts of Norwegian Encore. Um, I think the Encore is a really good boat or a ship. Other than that, I think basically they just need to uh, have more space on open spaces on their boat. But other than that, um, I like Norwegian cruise lines a lot, despite them having a tendency to nickel and dime you in places. But I'd be willing to go back again just because of their free at sea programs with getting your drinks for free and all that stuff. You know, and speaking of the free at sea, so whenever I was on Norwegian Sky, I did not pick the drink package. I picked the dining package. It was a four-night cruise. And did you know, I don't know what you drink, but a Tito's and soda cost me, without the drink package, $16. Jeez. You can buy a bottle of Tito's for eighteen ninety nine at the liquor store. Yeah, it's like uh, we went to the wine bar, and then uh, the, they have some full sommeliers there, which is actually kind of impressive. And mm-hmm. uh, they were recommending this one wine that they loved, and you had to pay $3 extra per glass for it, even with the drink package. So it was $18 per glass. And we went to a local liquor store like last week, and like, I found it, and I was, it was $13 for the whole bottle. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's value proposition, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, we've been talking with Chris about his seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise on Norwegian Encore. Chris, congratulations, and thank you so much for the review. All right. Thanks, Doug. We always enjoy fielding your shore excursion questions. Rob from CruisingExcursions.com is here today to answer your questions. Hey, Rob. Good morning, Doug. Pleasure as always. Likewise. The first question comes from Vicky. We are booked on a back-to-back Northern Europe cruise on Sky Princess for our 25th anniversary. We'll be in St. Petersburg for two days on each cruise, a total of four days. I really want to see a lot of the port but really don't want to duplicate sites. Is it possible to do organized private tours that do not duplicate sites? Might be interested in doing an evening tour as well. Any help would be appreciated. Yes, of course. You know, obviously with St. Petersburg, um, it is like the main attraction for many passengers when they're on board a Baltic cruise. You know, and seeing the most of the amazing city and everything that St. Petersburg has to offer, it can be done in that time frame. So in regards to a private tour, I would recommend our private two-day St. Petersburg tour. Now, this does have a set itinerary, but it allows you to be flexible on the day and tailor the tour to your interests, which is the benefit of the private tours. And to think you're not in a large group, um, you're kind of just you and your party, and it offers a much more personal experience, as you can imagine. So with the two-day tour, it offers very different um, sides of St. Petersburg on each day. Now, the first day would take you outside of the city, and you go to a town called Pushkin, famous for some battles during the wars, um, and of course famous for Catherine's Palace. So once you arrive at Catherine's Palace, you just take a short stroll from the vehicle through the grounds of the palace, where you'd commence your tour then, 
of the building, taking a walking tour through all the ornately decorated rooms that would include the Wedgwood Room, the Amber Room, which is covered in intricate carvings, and that's made with around about £11 million worth of amber, and it really is a sight to see. I was absolutely blown away by it when I went there. You'll also take in a visit to the ballroom, seen in many Hollywood films, such as Pride and Prejudice. You know, it's ornately decorated, um, everything's covered in gold, um, lovely floor-to-ceiling windows, and it really is stunning there. And once you've spent your time at Catherine's Palace, taking in all the rooms and, of course, the ballroom, you're then going to move to Pete's Hoff Park. We'll take a walking tour of the Immaculate Gardens, the Golden Fountains, and your guide will really help bring it to life, um, telling you some tales of the Romanov history and the history of the gardens itself. Okay? Now, your second day is going to focus on St. Petersburg and everything that it has to offer. So you take a visit to the Church on Spilt Blood. You'd also have entrance to the world-famous Hermitage Museum, which is the Winter Palace of the Romanovs. And the tickets that we provide actually give you access before the public. So it gives you a really good opportunity there to kind of walk around and not with the hustle and bustle of all the crowds, seeing all these um, masterpieces, really, and sculptures from from world-famous artists. And for myself, um, I'm not a huge fine art lover, but when I was there and I could see a Da Vinci with my own eyes, you you can really appreciate it and and understand why people come from all over the world to see these pieces of work. So um, I would definitely recommend our two-day tour to you to give the most of everything that St. Petersburg offers. And then with that being a private tour as well, for your second days in port on, um, on your following week, you could then maybe tailor an alternative private tour that maybe um, would take you to Rasputin's Cathedral um, or Peter and Paul's Cathedral and maybe focus on a different aspect of St. Petersburg. Um, we do have um, an ethnography tour as well um, for those interested in Jewish heritage. So there really is something when it comes to St. Petersburg. If you are looking for a private tour and you don't want to go with the structured shared tours, then it's something we can certainly arrange for you. So take a look at the options we have online or feel free to call through to us so we can, um, we can find, you, find you the best private tour to suit you and your party and your needs. All right. The second question comes from Julie. Does cruising excursions offer a hop-on, hop-off excursion in Rome? If so, what do we get to see? Well, we certainly do, Julie. Um, We offer hop-on, hop-off tours in all the major cities worldwide. Um, And I think personally, they're a cracking way to get around, um, kind of take the day at your own leisure, at your own pace, and really get the most out of what you want to see in that city. And Rome is no different there. So with Rome, there's the two bus routes that cover the city, and they include all the sites that any tourist would want to see when visiting Rome. So there's a stop at the Colosseum, at St. Peter's Square for the Vatican. There'll also be a stop within walking distance to the Trevi Fountain, the Spanish Steps, the Pantheon, and of course the Piazza Navona, where you're going to find many cafes, shops and restaurants if you do want to have a little bit of a a rest and and taking a bite to eat and do some people watching. Piazza Navona is the perfect place for that. And we also provide you with a map of the bus route. You'd have this before you sail. So again, that's going to help you plan your day. Um, And again, plan it a little better so you know kind of where you're getting on and where you want to get off. Um, And it really is a helpful tool to have. And of course, when you get in the audio commentary whilst you're on board the vehicle as well, that's going to help bring Rome to life for you. Give you lots of little fun facts and history about the city. Okay. Now, one thing I would mention with Rome, of course, we do the hop on hop off. But due to the distance from the port of Civitavecchia to Rome itself, you're going to need some kind of transfer service that's going to get you from the port to the city. Now, this can be done with our Rome on your own excursion, and that's going to meet you at the port, take you on a 90-minute journey approximately into Rome itself, where you'll be dropped off at the Colosseum. Now, at the Colosseum is the first stop for the hop-on, hop-off, so you're able to commence the route from there. Now, enjoy your day in Rome, taking a day at your pace, at your leisure, before then, you would join back up with the Rome on your own tour at St. Peter's Square for your return back to the port. So that includes one little less thing for you to worry about. The next one comes from Nicole. She says, I need help. This is my first cruise that isn't the Caribbean or Alaska. We're going over to the Mediterranean. We're having a hard time finding something to do in Marseille. Any ideas for wanting to check out some of these smaller villages? We have an extremely popular tour that takes in the surrounding villages of uh, Aix-en-Provence from the port of Marseille. It's a four-hour excursion. It would take you from the port 
a lovely scenic drive through the French French countryside. So you'll see all the farms, uh, maybe a few lavender fields if it's that time of year. And that's going to take around about a pro um, 45 minutes from when then you'll arrive into Aix-en-Provence. From there, you'll have a little walking tour, which is going to be around about 45 minutes to an hour. Now, Aix-en-Provence is absolutely gorgeous, very quaint medieval town. So you're going to see all the gorgeous fountains that lie in the streets there. Um, of course, the famous squares of the village. And you'll also walk along the Cours Mirabeau, which is a picturesque walkway. And it's lined with overhanging trees, which creates like an archway effect. You know, if you're into your photography or you just want to get a lovely snapshot to show your relatives when you get home, that is definitely the chance to take that picture. Um, it's absolutely wonderful. I'm sure you'll be able to buy it on a postcard or something like that as well when you're there. Um, it is a very picturesque town, um, very quaint, very typically French. So it's a wonderful, um, wonderful little tour. And of course, you're going to have some free time given there as well. And again, this is up to you how you spend that, whether you want to browse the local markets, um, take in a few of the shops or boutiques, or maybe just take a little, um, a little rest, have a bite to eat at one of the many cafes and patisseries that you'll find along the streets of Aix-en-Provence. And once you've had your free time, the tour would end with a return back to the port, as always, in time for your ship's departure. All right, last question here. We have a singer writing in. We are traveling with our choir group, 18 in total, and are wondering if cruising excursions offer private tours for group travelers. Of course. You know, so whether you're cruising as a large group or a smaller group, or maybe just you and your family, we have a dedicated team in, in the office here of our group specialists, and they're on hand to help you plan the perfect itinerary just to make the most of your time in each port. We can also arrange your transfers, whether that be from port to hotel, hotel to cruise port, or an airport transfer that you may require. That's something we can also arrange. And should you have any special requests um, for your party, maybe you want to have lunch in a specific restaurant, um, or you need a tour guide who speaks a certain language, whether that be Mandarin, French, Spanish, so this is something we can arrange for you, you know, bespoke for your party. So if you are traveling in these large groups, you know, don't feel like you have to kind of plan all these excursions yourselves um, and try and please your whole family. Give us a call, speak to one of our group's team, and they'll be on hand, as I say, to really put together a very memorable and unique experience for you and your party whilst on your cruise. Very good. We've been talking with Rob over at CruisingExcursions.com. If you want to find out more about any of these tours we spoke about today, check out the show notes at CruiseRadio.net. Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much, Doug. All the best. Thank you. Reality hits you hard, bro. <clears throat> Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.